Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and on this episode, I'm chatting with Rich Newbold, game director at Frontier Developments for Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is due to be released on the 9th of November across PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Jurassic World Evolution 2 is the much-anticipated sequel to Frontier's highly successful Jurassic World Evolution, building upon the groundbreaking immersive 2018 management simulation. It introduces a compelling new narrative campaign which follows on from the events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, incredible new features, awe-inspiring new dinosaurs, brought to life with captivating authenticity. Together with expanded construction and more customization options, the result is an even bigger, better and authentic Jurassic World game. The new main story features characters from the films with Jeff Goldblum and Bryce Dallas Howard both reprising their roles, along with new dinosaurs, returning favourites and new water and air reptiles to play with. Outside of the main story, the game features a really fun chaos theory mode, which gives you a sort of what-if opportunity to remix events from the previous movies if you have been in charge of the parks. This is an extended audio-only version of my interview with Rich, but if you'd like to see some gameplay of Jurassic World Evolution 2 as well, head over to youtube.com forward slash geektown. There you'll find an edited version of our chat, which also features exclusive new footage taken a few weeks ago when I had a chance to get my hands directly on the game. If you'd like to hear more behind the scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Geek Town Radio. This will also give you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, film and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Here's the interview with Rich Newbold, game director of Frontier Developments for Jurassic World Evolution 2. Nice to be chatting with you again. I think we last spoke in November for the complete version of the original game, and now you're back with the second one. I had a little playtest of the game, I had two, a couple of hours on it, and absolutely love it. I'm a huge, huge fan of these sort of games anyway, so really enjoyed the little chance I had to play around with it. For you, what were your objectives heading into creating the second game after spending many years on the first one? So we wanted to build upon that great success of the first game, but introduce improvements to kind of four key areas of the game. So we wanted to um, add a lot more improvements to our dinosaurs, our authentic dinosaurs and the management, a lot more deeper management than the player's going to have, a lot more um, enhanced creativity and an original narrative. So we focused on those four key areas of the game and of everything we wanted to add to the sequel 
had to go into one of those four boxes. We wanted to make sure we were pushing improvements in all those areas. So with our dinosaurs, making sure that they're as authentic as possible, adding those new dinosaur types, the reptiles, the flying reptiles and the marine reptiles, because they are reptiles, adding a lot more depth to the behaviors of their land dinosaurs. So we're bringing across land dinosaurs that you've seen before, but we're adding a lot more depth in their behaviors and interactions with their environment and themselves. So we've added dynamic fighting and hunting systems. We've added quicker and dynamic movement in when they do have fights or they are hunting their prey in goats and other kind of smaller herbivores. We had a lot more depth to our management. We wanted the player to be having a lot more decision-making. So what, what should I be doing with the money I have? Should I be making improvements to my park? Should I be researching new dinosaurs? Should I be hiring new staff? So we added our new scientist system, which is like an extra layer of decision-making of you choosing which scientists to hire, which skills do you want to have scientists for, and having them be part of every stage of the process of you making a dinosaur. So we wanted to add those decisions to the players they're making these parts to what they, they should be doing next a lot more creativity as well so we wanted to add a lot more varied environments so there's now not just tropical environments we have our desert environments our taiga environment and our tropical environments as well so different locations and we've also had a lot more depth in how the player can be creative in those parks so we had we added the ability for you to customize your amenities the, the shops and buildings that the guests in your park will be buying things from so a lot more options for players to kind of be as creative as possible with those and our original narrative which is we have two game modes. We have our original story set after the events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And then we have our chaos theory mode, which is a great opportunity for us to write narratives, kind of bring back those characters that we know and love from the films as well, and an opportunity to get those voice actors back as, as well. So it's those were the kind of the, the big areas that we we wanted to focus on. Yeah, you mentioned the voice talent there. You've got, is it all the cast back from the Jurassic World movies coming in and doing original voices for it as well? We don't have all of the actors from the films, but we have fan favourites, Jeff Goldblum, Bryce Dallas Howard. They're coming back to reprise their roles as Dr. Ian Malcolm and Claire Daring. Yeah, and a lot of the others. So nobody else really can be Jeff Goldblum other than Jeff Goldblum. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm really glad that they're back and uh, the voice acting is great. I got a chance to play through a little bit of the sort of opening, getting used to the system and then some of the chaos theory mode, which was, I mean, the chaos theory mode's really good fun because it's a sort of what if, which mm. is quite appropriate given the sort of Marvel series that's out at the moment, but it's a sort of what if idea, which is really great fun as well. Do you want to go into a little bit more detail about the specific changes that you have made for the first game and why you came to those decisions? Because I know some of the stuff like the flying reptiles and the water reptiles, I'm getting that right. Uh, <laughs> I know there were things that were requested by fans quite a lot from the first game. Yeah, well, changes from the first game. Where to begin? There's so many. So we have so many wonderful new systems. So as I mentioned, we have this new staff management system, scientists, because the community and some of the feedback and has played in the game, we wanted to have those more decisions, being really tested as a park manager. Like, what am I doing in the moment? What am I doing? What's my long-term progression in a park? And with the staff management, with the scientists, you know, we have that decision of you have to pay them, you have to train them, you have to manage their workloads. And we added kind of a consequence to you overworking them. So if you overwork them, you run that risk of them becoming becoming disgruntled. And if they're disgruntled, that's going to increase the chance of sabotage in your parks. We wanted to add that choice and the more direct impact with the parks, with the sabotage system, so it's a bit less random. So you're now making that choice of, do I want to make this new dinosaur or do I want to give this 
scientists a bit of rest. But if I, I really want that dinosaur, if I do, there might be a consequence for that, that lack of patience. We, we lent into the Jurassic Park itself. It's like we want to be, we are trying to be yeah. as authentic as possible to the film. To Dennis Nedry, he was disgruntled and because in Jurassic Park and it's because he wasn't being paid enough but with our staff it's if you overwork them and because of that he's disgruntled he takes it out on the park he tries to steal some DNA and we wanted that as well that kind of moment as well we got that inspiration of you overworking and something might go wrong but you don't know and that's that, that kind of choice the player has to make if it's worth it or not we added a lot more depth to our guest management as well so that was another layer of the management system itself so we now have four guest interest groups we call them so we have general adventure nature and luxury so the guests in your park will now gravitate towards different parts of your park depending on what's there so an adventure guest might like a dinosaur that's a carnivore that's quite scary and they will now go towards the viewing galleries in that part of your park but that means that you as a player can put down a shop, a food store, that you can now change the modules of inside to target that demographic and maximize mm. your profits. You know, you can sell things that appeal to adventure guests. So now you have the opportunity to make sure that you're making as much profit as possible by targeting those interest groups wherever they are in your park as well. So we added an extra layer of decision making as to not just where you're going to put your food and drink, but where and what types are going to be in there as well. So there's an extra layer of decision-making in testing you, making as much profit as possible. And you need the money to make more dinosaurs and more dinosaurs makes more guests. It's that classic kind of park profit loop that we're kind of as a foundation for all of these kind of theme park type games as well. And with our dinosaurs, we wanted to add more depth as well for them. So now they have this new dynamic territory system. So inside their enclosures, it's not just about making sure they've got something in their enclosures. It's making sure you've got the in the right place. So they will now dynamically build up this territory of what they can access in the moment. So if you're putting a water body, they need to get to water to have a drink, making sure it's in their territory. And if not, if it's just outside, they'll move towards that water body and dynamically change that territory over time. And because it will change and expand depending on the needs, the number of dinosaurs in the territory as well, you have to get that balance right of making sure you've got things in the right place, especially for cohabiting dinosaurs. So now herbivores will have different paleobotany needs. So a triceratops will have a different need to an ankylosaurid. They might need different ground herbivore types. Because you've only got a 2D playing area, you have to then make a choice of, okay, I'm going to put ground nut over here and ground fruit over here. But will that be enough for those two dinosaur types to coexist in the area I've given them as well? Mm -hmm. So there's now a lot more decision making on what you're going to put in your enclosures, whether it's the dinosaurs or the things you're going to put in it, water, paleobotany as well. So making sure they're all fed and happy. As I say, happy dinosaurs feed back into that scene properly. Happy dinosaurs are happy guests. Happy guests spend money. And again, it all kind of feeds into that basic foundation of a loop. Yeah, I love some of the changes because it does sort of encourage you a lot more, I think, to create like, okay, this is an area with the scarier dinosaurs because that's all the adventure stuff and mm. this is the kind of karma area. So it, whereas the first game, you sort of could mix them all up and there wasn't any consequence to that. I love the fact that you can almost create little areas to each of them, which is lovely. The other change was there's no herbivore feeders now, are there? I don't think. It's it's all done by the yeah. environment. Yeah, exactly. So we were wanted to add that kind of naturalistic feel as well so we moved the paleobotany we got rid of the herbivore feeders and just moved into a paleobotany brush 
and moved it all into that natural feel of you wanting to put that brush type everywhere. Yeah, I love that change because it makes so much more sense. And obviously with the carnivores, you can't really do that. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't have a goat bush. It's very yeah. hard. Nature hasn't invented that yet for us. Yeah, damn it. One of the things that we didn't get to see when it comes to the animals in that playthrough was the water or the avian stuff. So how did you go about picking the dinosaurs that you or the reptiles that you're using for that? First and foremost, whenever we choose anything, we always go to the films. So out with our flying reptiles, we started off with the Pteranodon and the Dimorphodon. They're ones from Jurassic World and Jurassic Park 3 when we saw the Pteranodons. So we put those ones in. They're the ones we want to be authentic to the franchise. And then when we went to come up with dinosaurs or reptiles that haven't been in the movies before, we kind of look at community requested ones, fan favorites from the development team as well, like what kind of flying reptiles did we like when we were growing up? and that kind of stuff, more popular ones. And we'll kind of look to those. We'll then create a short list and we kind of choose the ones that we think will have a really unique shape and style to them because we want each one to feel slightly different in how it looks. And we kind of go from there and we kind of pick the short list based on that. So it's kind of a, a collective coming together of which ones we think would be best. And we kind of go, these are the ones we want to target first. And with the marine reptiles, there's only been one marine reptile in the film. So that's been the Mosasaurus. So she was in there straight off the bat. And again, with the rest of them, we kind of look at community favorites, community requested ones, since we've been making Jurassic World Evolution 1, ones that really appeal to us and have unique shapes. So the marine reptiles, we had things like the Elasmosaurus and the Leporodon, which have different shapes and unique shapes as well. So things that will look really good in the game. In terms of making changes to the existing dinosaurs, has that been just trying to improve the look of them or have you had to also make changes based on updated paleontology since you sort of started doing the original game? A bit of both. We kind of looked at them with fresh eyes. Um, we've kind of made some changes based on information, whether it's the different, like if we know more information about the sizes and scale of them to see if we can need to update them on that regard. But yeah, we wanted to kind of look at what we had and look at where we wanted to add that extra depth and detail to them and try and make them feel more alive and more realistic as animals. Because even though they are prehistoric, they were alive. So we've been added that extra depth that their behaviors, like social behaviors as well. So even our T-Rexes have those moments together where they have like a little nuzzle together, just like a real animal would in the wild. So we've been, it's we don't have any reference of that, but we've been looking at, how real carnivores and animals and big animals in the wild do that in nature now. And we kind of go, well, this is like, there's a very hard chance they've done that in the past as well. It feels like yeah. a very natural behavior that animals have had, no matter how many millenniums old they are. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the main story, how was that constructed? Because like you say, it's a sort of continuation from the movie. Who was responsible for pulling that together? And can you give a sort of brief outline of what the setup for it is? Yeah, so it's it's set after, set immediately after the, the earth-shattering events of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So at the end of that movie, dinosaurs have been moved to the United States mainland. They've been let out. And we felt that's a great opportunity for us to, to build a story about what's going to happen straight away. How would the United States come and kind of react to that? So they're now wild across the United States of America. They're creating dangerous situations. And we thought that'd be a great opportunity for the player to have to handle that. So we, we worked with Universal. So the story itself is collaboratively done by myself and team here at Frontier, our great partners at Universal. We have a, a writer, John Zerplatten, who was the writer on the first game, who we brought back again, who's a massive, massive, 
massive Jurassic fan, which is incredible because his writing is so good. And we kind of all work together with Universal Games and the Universal Film Team as well to craft a story for these characters that fits in their universe and fits in with the characters they have. So the player's going to be working alongside a department for the United States government called the Department of Fish and Wildlife. So traditionally, their job isn't dealing with dinosaurs but they're kind of the ones that kind of get well this department is most appropriate because their day-to-day is dealing with the fish and wildlife in the united states of america so they're the ones that kind of you get hired to work for and that department brings in the expertise of owen grady and claire daring so in, in our story because it's after fallen kingdom owen and claire have been working at a theme park they've witnessed its demise they were dealing with the events in the film and they're now bringing into because they feel responsible as well of these dinosaurs now being world so it's up to you as working for this department to control conserve and contain all those wild dinosaurs now rampaging across the united states of america awesome that i'm looking forward to playing through properly because like i say i only had a chance to play a little bit at the start of it the other big mode is the chaos theory mode which well do you want to just explain exactly what that is because I, so, I love this idea chaos theory mode is an opportunity for as for you we reimagine pivotal moments from the jurassic world and jurassic park film franchise so players can go through key moments from their favorite films from all the movies and their what if scenarios set in each of the five movies so it allows players to immerse themselves in the franchise and see how things would have turned out if they were in charge of dealing with some pivotal moments from each film. So, for instance, in the Jurassic Park one, you're the one that's responsible with for helping John Hammond build Jurassic Park. So you get to kind of see the what if moments. That is what happens if you're responsible and something hadn't gone wrong. Our Lost World Jurassic Park one is you, along with Dr. Ian Malcolm, bringing San Diego Jurassic Park to life. So the what if for that is it actually happened. So yeah. you're going to build this theme park just outside San Diego as well. So it's a great opportunity to kind of get into those films and really be authentic to the characters and the dinosaurs that you've seen in the film and the moments as well. So it's it's been really great to kind of go back to those original moments and choose whichever one you you might have a favorite film or a favorite moment that you can kind of take control of yeah i think it was the san diego one we were playing around with in the test and, and that was just really good fun because it's got a sort of arena thing in the middle of it mm. which is great fun what are some of your favorites out of the new dinosaurs it's really hard to choose because i've been really enjoying them all so i think for me it's definitely the marine reptiles they're currently my favorites like i love all of my children equally but i am currently <laughs> the ones i like at the minute are the marine reptiles but just because i'm in enjoying watching them swim around the lagoon and if it's just really impressive we have this water body of the lagoon and we have you know i have the mosasaur sometimes on one of my monitors at work i'll just sit and watch it swim around it's always become like a nice little it's like an aquarium like a little goldfish bowl on my desk of just watching this <laughs> mosasaur just swim around and it's just been great to just like watch it occasionally and like chomp down a shark from a feeder and game <laughs> And the teams work so hard on dealing with the challenge of taking our navigation system from 2D to a third dimension. Yeah. So our land dinosaurs just walk or run, but now our marine and flying reptiles have to go up and down. And that's been a big challenge for the team, but they've, they've done really great in solving that problem and bringing these things to life in believable ways. So it's just, it's just been great just to watch it swim around. So currently that's the one that I am liking the most. <laughs> I love them all. 
I'm really looking forward to being able to play around with that sort of stuff. I'm currently back on Planet Zoo because, which is a <laughs> you know, sort of sister game to yours. They put a lot of the sort of water stuff in there. And w- one of the things, just looking at the two games, I mean, obviously there is a lot of customization stuff. I mean, a ridiculous amount in something like Planet Zoo. What I like with what you've done with the customization in the second one is it is there, but do you want to just talk about how the customization works on the buildings and stuff? Because it isn't as advanced or as complex as the Planet Zoo stuff. It's sort of a halfway house from what you had in the first game and that. The player has the ability to put down amenities, so their food, drink in souvenir shops, and they put them down and they can change the look, so they can change the architecture style. So um, it's concrete or wooden or Jurassic World or Jurassic Park theme. They can change the different types of decorations that are on the outside. You can change the position of the entrance, change the entrance style. You can change the silhouette and the form of the building, but you can also change the color of so many pieces of that. So you can change the paneling, the roof color, the decoration color. And our color picker allows you to choose from swatches of colors, or you can use a kind of a full picker. So you can use any of the colors available. You can then change things like the lighting as well. So you can change the way it looks. You can have like a a blue lighting feel to your building. So at nighttime, you can have a whole street of like blue lit buildings as well. And we found that that was a really easy and accessible way for players to make some big alterations to the way their amenity sections of their park can look as well. Players can now put decorations down in their park freely, so they have different options for players to kind of put down signposts and kind of tables and chairs as well to help decorate their parks to really make it feel unique to the player and to the park manager. Yeah, I had a little bit of a play around with that. And as I say, I'm kind of glad it's not gone quite the full route of the Planet Zoo stuff because that does it so well, but it is quite overwhelming. And I think what you've settled on is a, is a really nice way of, of being able to make the parks look a little different from each other. but not having to have a degree in architecture to be able to, to do it. So uh, I think it works really, really well from the little bits I've had a chance to play around with. If you actually let me sit on that playtest, I would have still been there at midnight. Um, <laughs> it's one of those games that I will sit down and start playing and then look at the clock and like, oh, it's 2 a.m. You know, I mean... <laughs> uh, yeah, my, ch- my challenge levels have been doing exactly the same. I've been playing challenge mode and I've just been sat and it's... It's been a part-time, but I sometimes I'm not going to hit that part-time and I'm just going to keep on going. And then it's like, oh, that was... I've been playing this for a lot longer than I thought. Did I have a meeting? Like, I, I had a meeting. Did I have a meeting? Adam's like, hey, we should have been in a meeting. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a good side, I mm. think. <laughs> Definitely. Just sort of wrap this up. One last question. What is your favourite Jurassic movie? Jurassic Park. Because And I think about it because Jurassic Park 3 is a big favourite of mine. I really enjoyed Jurassic World. But Jurassic Park will always be my favourite because it was the first... It's the first one, but it was also... It's impactful because it was the first one, but it was also the, that time I connected with dinosaurs in a different way. As a child, I had textbooks, I had toys, dinosaurs are fun. But when I saw Jurassic Park and I saw a dinosaur for the first time on film, it felt real and it kind of moved it from just something that you had to use in your imagination or it was a bright green or purple toy, but it looked real and it moved. And the scene with the Triceratops, where they're looking at the sick Triceratops and they're looking in its breath and it's like, wow, that's real. It all felt real and that's how it was connected to them. Obviously, the rest of the film, the connection with dinosaurs gets a bit scarier, but that moment <laughs> where it felt normal, it felt like a real animal, that's just always going to be with me and that's it felt so amazing. Yeah, good choice. I love all the films, but that one, yeah, just astonishing. 
I will let you get back to your day. Thank you for spending some time to talk through it. I am so looking forward to being able to get my hands back on the game, having had a little taste of it. So I'm looking forward to playing more and I will be very much spending hours and hours in it, I'm fairly sure. That's great to hear. Thank you very much, David. Thanks. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.